0: Welcome to Haven Today at Christmas time. You are what you eat. At least that's what they say. So, what are we eating for Christmas? Forbes recently came out with a list of the most popular holiday candy, state by state in America. Some might surprise you. Every state has its own unique flavor, and that includes flavors of candy. Some states go for more traditional sweets. Louisiana and Oregon prefer candy canes. Ohio and North Dakota like chocolate Santas. Kansas and Missouri even found something they can agree on, peppermint bark. But some of us like old standbys. Massachusetts will stick with Kit Kats. Thank you very much. And Skittles are flying off the shelves in New Jersey. Meanwhile, further north, Christmas is just as sweet. Records indicate that Canada spends over $300 million a year on candy, confectionery, and snack foods. Holiday sweets bring us together. But Christians know there's an even greater bond this Christmas, believing in the Savior who was born in Bethlehem. I'm Charles Morris, and as we're now in the midst of the Christmas season, we're launching a new series here on this Monday called What Christmas Is All About. Handel quoted it. In his still often performed oratorio called Messiah, Christmas carols spread the news that the arrival has come. It was a promise from God, first spoken by the prophet Isaiah. It is a promise fulfilled by Almighty God. Isaiah 9, 6, For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders." And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Stay with me as we're going to look at this passage from Isaiah and other scripture that will help us better understand who Jesus is and why he brings us true joy in this world. And speaking of that song, Joy to the World... We begin the program with an instrumental by my friend and musician Fernando Ortega from his Christmas Songs album, an album filled with songs that will help you celebrate the true meaning of Christmas. Joy to the world A little sample from Joy to the World, from Fernando Ortega's Christmas songs album. And it is still not too late to fill your home and heart with Christmas music that'll help you worship the Messiah, the risen Lord, this December. We have the CD for your gift to the ministry. And just one more thing before we listen to our first full song of Christmas. It's December 12th. And shopping and shipping days are limited for this holiday. Even more limited are gifts that have value, gospel value. So let me remind you about the fully illustrated boxed set of Little Pilgrim's Big Journey with Books 1 and 2. Both are based on John Bunyan's epic novels, and they're filled with the gospel and reminders of how to live as a Christian in a fallen world. It's a perfect Christmas gift that'll point people to Jesus. And a reminder that we're using expedited shipping now, so it gets to you by Christmas. So if you can, please include some extra funds in your gift to help us cover that extra cost of shipping. So call us after the program, won't you, at eight hundred sixty-five 65 haven eight hundred sixty-five 65 haven Or go online, listen to some of the samples from the CD, look at samples from the books, and make your gift at haventoday.org That's haventoday.org And now let's open this haven today with a medley by one of the most well-known Christian artists, Michael W. Smith. Did you hear, sing, We Now of Christmas and O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, in that medley by Michael W. Smith, what a song to open our Christmas program called What Christmas is All About here on Haven Today. I'm Charles Morris. Let me ask you, here on a Monday, what is the birth name of our Savior? Now, you might think that this is pretty simple to answer. His name is Jesus. And of course, that's true. But it isn't quite that simple. The prophecy promised that his name would be called Emmanuel. I shared Isaiah 9, 6. And then it was fulfilled in Matthew one twenty two and 23. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us, quoting from Isaiah 9-6 in the very first gospel of the New Testament. So why was his name called Jesus? Because when a righteous warrior God comes in contact with a sinful people, it can only be bad news, not grace. Well, more on the meaning of the name Jesus and his other names like Emmanuel in a moment. But first, listen to the prophecy in Psalm 2. For those who do not receive this promised grace... That came with the birth of Emmanuel at the very first Christmas. Psalm 2. Why do the nations conspire or rage in some translations? Why do the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up, and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us break their chains and throw off their shackles. The one, That's a capital one, meaning Yahweh, enthroned in heaven, laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. He rebukes them in his anger and terrifies them in his wrath, saying, I have installed my king on Zion, my holy mountain. And by the time you reach the end of the psalm, the writer excitedly tells us, I will proclaim the Lord's decree. But then the psalmist quotes God speaking to him through the Holy Spirit. And by this point in the psalm, it's not just the writer speaking. He said to me, you are my son. Today I've become your father. Scholars agree. This is God the Father speaking to God the Son, the second person of the Trinity bound for a mission on earth, a mission leading from a cradle to a cross. Verse 8, ask me and I will make the nations your inheritance, the ends of the earth your possession. Jesus came to earth to be born as a man. On that first earthly appearance, he would come as a lamb led to slaughter. He didn't come the first time to judge. He came to save. He came to save miserably bound sinners left with no hope. He came to save people like you and me. But on his second coming, Jesus will come as the judge of all the earth. What's wrong with this world will be made right. God the Father speaks to God the Son in verse 9 for his future role. You will break them with a rod of iron. You will dash them to pieces like pottery. Therefore, in verse 10, you kings, be wise, be warned, you rulers of the earth. And Now in verse 11 of Psalm 2, time changes again, as so often happens in Scripture. Prophecy from above doesn't always follow a normal human time chronology. There's still time. The rulers and powers on this earth in this day are given a future warning. A warning that still applies to us now. A warning that should serve all of us, even those of us who are not holding the reins of earthly power. Verse 11, serve the Lord with fear and celebrate his rule with trembling. Verse 12, kiss his son or he will be angry and your way will lead to your destruction. For his wrath can flare up in a moment. Psalm 2 closes with encouraging words of redemption. Words of salvation for you and me to receive from Emmanuel, God with us. The end of verse 12. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. Psalm 1 opens the Psalter speaking of the counsel of the godless. Psalm 2 goes on to describe that counsel. The kings of the earth take stands and they gather in council, and they do so opposed to the Lord and his anointed one. Messiah in Hebrew, Christ in Greek. They don't want the reign of God and his Messiah. They want to break the bands of holy authority and throw away the cords of divine rule. It was King David who spoke of this, of the nations who rage and the people plotting vain things. The kings of the earth may take their stand and the rulers of the earth form battle lines against the Lord and his Messiah. But human technology of all ages in all times cannot thwart the will of the Lord. May we not forget that Psalm 2 is a prayer. Early Christians knew that. They knew the meaning of these words in their own day and in their own lives. For truly, again, your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together. The prayer is quoted in Acts 4, at the beginning of the early church. It points to the persecution of the Church of Jesus Christ in the beginning, but also through the centuries. This is a psalm that is not impressed by sinful revolution against the reign of God and His Christ. Like the first psalm, Psalm 2 finishes on the theme of the divine judgment, which releases the just but condemns the wicked. Both psalms end much like the ancient creed He will come again in glory to judge. But there's something else. There are parallels of Psalm 2 with the last days, the final days, that we hear about in the final book of God's word, the book of Revelation. There, too, is the anger of the nations, but the wrath of God is revealed. There, too, is political conspiracy against God, and yet the Messiah's rod of iron inflicted on those who oppose him. But Emmanuel isn't our Deliverer's only name. He was also called Jesus, the Savior who came to wash away and rescue us from all our sins. A little more background. God's presence could only dwell with his people in the Old Testament when there was a mediator present. Somebody like Moses, somebody like Aaron, or one of the other priests. And sins were atoned for with blood. But that blood, the blood of bulls and goats, could never purify the conscience or permanently wash away the sins of God's people. It had to come over and over, and it was only a picture. That is until Jesus came, the rescuer, the deliverer, and this Jesus offered up his blood. Emmanuel, God with us, is only grace towards us when we have Jesus, Yeshua, a deliverer, a savior. Look at the Greek with me for just a moment. It's important. It makes a difference. Emmanuel. Im means with, Anu means us, El means God, God is with us. And then there's Iesus, called this because of Yeshua, Hebrew for Yahweh saves, which should sound like Joshua because the name in Greek is Jesus. A little more about the importance of the meaning of biblical words in English. There's Soter, one who rescues, Savior, Deliverer, Preserver. There's Harmartia. In order to know what grace is, you have to know hamartia, sin. Grace and forgiveness are so precious to those who think, I can never be forgiven. I'm too much a sinner. A departure from either human or divine standards of uprightness. That's one more clinical definition of sin. Are you one of the faithful? I would like to ask you today. And if you're not, would you like to be? You can. If you aren't, even this day, leading into this Christmas, you can come to Jesus. The invitation is still for you this holiday. Today could be the day of your salvation. Christ the King could become your king. And so may I invite you to come and bow before him. Remember, Jesus is the Redeemer, the Savior. But you must see the cross where Jesus finished his work in his first coming to earth. May his first sacrifice cover you in your sins, just as it has millions of others in years past. May today you finish this day, knowing in your mind and in your heart that Jesus Christ, Emmanuel, is God with you and in you from now and forevermore. May the cradle take on a brand new meaning in your life. For you see, the cradle will lead you to the cross. Glorious sounds of Christmas, the mighty strings of the Philadelphia Orchestra, the Temple University Chorus. Oh, come, all ye faithful. Would you pray with me right now? Lord, I seek to be faithful, especially at Christmas time. But I know there are some who are listening today who are not faithful. They have never met Messiah, the Anointed One. They do not know King Jesus, and yet they are listening. And they have a desire. There's a burning inside that's calling them to you. They want to have faith. They want to know Jesus. Lord, for anyone listening right now who is in agreement with me that they want Jesus Christ to be their Savior this Christmas, may they hear the words of Scripture saying, Now is the day. Today is the day of salvation. And may they bend their knee before the cross of Christ and pray for the blood of Christ, the sacrifice made on the first coming of Jesus to this earth to cover their sin and to give them new life. And may they have joy in the Lord that they've never had before. And may this be the very first Christmas that they can celebrate as a Christian at Christmas time. May this happen in the name of Jesus. Amen. Didn't you like that instrumental? Go tell it on the mountain underneath the prayer. Well, it was played by Fernando Ortega, and it's from his Christmas songs album that I want to send to you today so you can enjoy it and have it before Christmas. You can get one for yourself. You can still send one to someone you love. Everyone who listens will be led to worship Jesus this Christmas. So, Christmas is now only 13 days away, and that either excites you or it might even frighten you. And perhaps you're still looking for something unique to send to someone special in your life. Well, let me suggest some Christ-centered ideas. Little Pilgrim's Big Journey, the box set with two books in it that are fully illustrated and faithful to John Bunyan's original stories, And faithful in the way they lead readers, both young and old, alike to Jesus. This gift set will leave a lasting legacy to everyone you give them to. And we can send them directly to someone you love with free shipping and with a note from you. And that's what Gary in Arkansas did. He made a very generous gift to the ministry and asked for us to send three copies of this box set to different members of his family And we can help you do the same thing. But you need to contact us today, right now. We are paying for expedited shipping to get it to you or someone you love by Christmas. But we need you to pray about giving a little extra to help cover those extra costs. Here's the number that you can call right now. And let me remind you that we are also, with the box set, including a special code so that everyone who gets Little Pilgrim's Big Journey can get a free audio version of both books. You just need to call us. And the number to call now is 800-65-HAVEN, 800-65-HAVEN. Or go online, you can listen to excerpts from the album and look at samples from the books. And you can give at haventoday.org. That's haventoday.org. One more thing, December 31st is quickly coming And we have a very large goal to meet this year. I want to suggest a way that some of our listeners may be able to help. If you have a donor advised fund or an IRA, would you pray about making a more significant gift to help us catch up by the end of the year? Feel free to contact us to learn more. I'm Charles Morris. Thanks for joining me. Won't you come back again tomorrow? When again, we'll share together the great story. It's all about Jesus here on Haven Today. Here for your encouragement and your walk with Jesus, I'm Charles Morris with Haven Ministries inviting you to anchor your day in God's Word. Marathons. Most of us have never run 26.2 miles at once, and you know the story of the first man to do it. A Greek messenger sent with the news of victory from the Battle of Marathon to Athens, but he died. Not exactly a good advertisement for running this type of race. Thankfully, there's an even better race, the Christian life. Remember Hebrews 12? Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. And how do we keep running? By fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith and our Savior will sustain us. Get Anchor devotional in print monthly. Visit getanchor.com.